welcome to rhetoric Orama, a podcast about all things rhetoric. Here are your hosts, Dr. David R. Dewberry and Dr. Tim, as seen on TV, McGee. I'm Dave. And I'm Tim. And today we continue our third season of rhetoric Orama by discussing the wonderful world of rhetoric. This season is on the rhetoric of X, where X equals a subject, a profession, a field, or a discourse community. Today's topic is the rhetoric of girl boss, which was suggested by Brittany. Now, uh, to get us started, let's hear some untranslated Latin or Greek. Al enoen cre tuto men gunaiks, hoti efumen os pros andras u makumena. All right, Tim, so what exactly is girl boss? Girl boss is a neologism from 2014 that was soon associated with a movement. And like many words, it has experienced a widening semantic range from its initial denotation of female empowerment to more ironic usages with decidedly negative connotations. Uh, that sounds like some pretty contested, uh, uh, pretty contested term that's changed an awful lot uh, over a short period of time since 2014. True that, Dave. And there are reasons for that volatility including the connotations of the term's ingredients, as well as the usual emotional charge that accompanies significations of power, politics, and gender. You said a lot there, Tim, and it's, frank, quite frankly, a lot of words that I don't understand. But let's start breaking those down by uh, looking at the term of girl boss. All right. The word boss, when designating a person in charge, enjoys positive connotations associated with power and authority. But as a verb, it connotes giving orders in a domineering manner, which is bad enough when legit, even worse when unauthorized. I guess the, the latter case giving rise to that, that popular retort, you're not the boss of me. Absolutely. As an adjective, it means excellent or outstanding, as in a boss move, mm. similar to the way the noun functions in the complementary simile to do something like a boss. On the other hand, the related adjective bossy means domineering or fond of giving orders, usually with negative connotations. At the same time, a recent commercial for a luxury SUV features a prominent sportscaster opining that the vehicle totally fits her vibe before describing the SUV as a bossy automobile. So, so Tim, it sounds like the boss half was already ambiguous and fluid uh, before the neologism, as you would call it, girl boss, um, but what about the uh, the girl half, the better half? Uh, equally ambiguous and fluid. Mm. According to a professor of gender psychology, Magdalena Zavisha, while girl boss immediately draws attention to the feminine, it also infantilizes the role of a female as a boss. Mm. So I guess using the term girl boss uh, could be used to comfort folks who are frightened by female empowerment. In effect, it's kind of one of those uh, quote-unquote pinkwashing well put, Dave. On the other end of the spectrum, you've got those who reclaimed a form of the term girl, as did the underground feminist punk movement of the 90s that went by the name Riot Girl. Now that we've established a 50-50 chance of us being right on uh, being or misunderstood, how have people started to use the actual term uh, a girl boss? We can start with the highly successful entrepreneur Sofia Amoruso's 2014 autobiography called Girl Boss, a term that one journalist glosses as a woman, quote, whose success is defined in opposition to the masculine business world in which she swims upstream, unquote. So if that is the positive origin of the term, uh, how and when does it start to go, uh, go south? 
A good example of that turn was identified by the listener who suggested the topic when she pointed to the use of girl boss rhetoric in multi-level marketing schemes that appeal to women who hope for financial success while working from home. I will say Brittany sent uh, one heck of an email, so let's uh, do tell us more about it. Okay, as Brittany wrote in her email, in a perfect world, women who have values that include empowerment, independence, camaraderie, female solidarity, would be able to see through the MLM schemes that we all get faced with all the time. So, Tim, when she, when she says MLM, does she mean multi-level marketing or something more illegal like a pyramid scheme, which I think is the same thing? Well, sometimes yes, sometimes no. There are metrics that can be applied to determine whether most of the income comes from selling products or from being high up in the chain of referrals. So while some governments have banned all multi-level marketing schemes, companies like Amway, Avon, Herbalife, and Mary Kay have been operating within the law for decades in all 50 states and throughout much of the world. Tim, I don't notice much, but I did notice the threat of so-called self-care uh, running through those kind of makeup and nutritional products these companies offer. And that is part of the reason MLL schemes attract so many women. According to an article in Syndrome magazine, as of 2018, 75% of U.S. direct sales industry workers were women. Another part of the appeal to women comes from the fact that success in multi-level marketing depends upon recruiting downline distributors. The Syndrome article goes on to say, modern MLMs often target stay-at-home moms, military wives, retirees, and other women prone to isolation and boredom. Such women are encouraged to enlist their friends, relatives, and neighbors into their network of distributors. Mm. But it would seem to me, Tim, and tell me if I'm wrong, that that sort of network had quickly become uh, uh, cannibalistic uh, with the last group of recruits not finding any new recruits or even any customers for that matter to appeal to. Exactly, which is why a study of 27 MLM schemes found that on average 99.6% of participants lost money. Indeed, the largest proportion of participants must operate at a net loss after expenses are deducted so that the few individuals in the uppermost level of the MLM pyramid can derive their significant earnings. Said earnings are then emphasized by the MLM company to all other participants to encourage their continued participation at a continuing financial loss, according to John Taylor's reports from the Federal Trade Commission website. That doesn't sound too happy. But uh, we've already identified a, a target audience for and some of the tactics of girl boss rhetoric. Um, so do you have any tips or any insight on how women might defend themselves against the, uh, these pernicious effects of the quote unquote girl boss rhetoric uh, in the context of multi-level marketing? The syndrome article includes some tells for identifying when a friend or relative has become an MLM cult member, such as their tendency to blur the line between business and professional and punctuating every utterance with advertisements. Similarly, HuffPost has an article titled, How to Politely Say No to Your Friend's Multi-Level Marketing Pitch, that includes six specific suggestions, including the sage advice that you not try to save them from their situation. Or you could just not go to the... Uh be their friend, I guess. Isn't that an alternative? Right. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that also works. That also works. Uh, but, okay, let's go back to the other interpretations of the term uh, girl boss. Do we see the label being used outside of uh, the MLM pitches? 
Indeed, a recent piece by a theater critic for the New York Times bemoaned the girl bossification of famous women in history when they reappear in popular culture. Ah, so you're 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 talking about that uh, that Broadway musical about the six wives of Henry the uh, what is it one, two, three, four, uh, Henry the Eighth, right? Uh, and those TV dramedies about Catherine the Great and Emily Dickinson, right? Pre- precisely, Dave. Do you want to give us the gist of that article? Oh man, you're it's like a pop quiz, but um, I think the article <laughs> was, and you gave it to me, right? Right? Uh, yes. It was called, titled "Catherine Was Great, But Was She a Girl Boss?" Uh, and it had the following subtitle. Pop culture is narrowing the look of female success. And the author, uh, Alexis Solosky, uh, and this is from the New York Times, uh, points out the various ways in which women, uh, in which uh, recent treatments of famous women. Uh, she writes, uh, they feed history through the yes if I bought, face tuning women's lives. So they seem fiercer, sexier, and more aspirational. Sounds like these purveyors of entertainment are just making history more fun. That's not all bad. You know, uh, granted, it's not terrible, Tim, but uh, as Solosky continues to write, she writes, uh, in a moment when popular culture confuses fame and excellence, uh, works like these also imply an inability to appreciate female merit absent of sex and glamour. And she goes on to say that the, uh, the new breed of heroine is ambitious and sex positive, with an impeccable modern politics. So, what do those descriptors add to our notion of girl boss? Uh, it would seem to me, Tim, uh, that six queens, an empress, a literary genius, already had the necessary "quote unquote" boss qualifications of power and an or agency. Uh, but the addition of the ferocity and sex appeal that turned them into—that uh, was what turned them into girl bosses. It seems to so be. Speaking of fierce, you may have seen some of the coverage of the trial of Elizabeth Holmes, the wildly successful founder of a company that promised revolutionary simplification of blood tests before being convicted of wire fraud because the device did not work as promised. Uh, She doesn't seem to quite uh, fit the uh, two previously described girl boss molds. So uh, what do you think of that? I'm throwing the question back to you. Well, seven years after Sophia Amoroso's Girl Boss autobiography, we see the publication last fall of a book titled Machiavelli for Women, Defend Your Worth, Grow Your Ambition, and Win the Workplace by Stacey Vanek-Smith. Now, this is something I know about, Tim, a reference to The Prince, the, the Italian Renaissance handbook for the ruthlessly getting and maintaining power. Uh, has nothing to do about small-time petty theft, though, I might add. Um, but anyway, uh, speaking of that, might be a, be a better fit for Elizabeth Holmes and similar uh, empresses of fast cas- capitalism. Indeed, one AP article that cast doubt upon the likelihood that Holmes's conviction would slow tech industry's hustle noted that the trial laid bare the pitfalls of one go-to moves of Silicon Valley entrepreneurs, conveying a boundless optimism regardless of whether it's warranted, known as fake it till you make it. And that points back to yet another device in the rhetoric of multi-level marketing. So now that we've fully muddled the waters around Girlboss, can you come up with any takeaway points, Dave? I would say, uh, based on our conversation here, Tim, that uh, girl boss, like, like a lot of other terms, uh, serves to empower some and disempower others. The tricky part, and girl boss is an example of that, is identifying when language that seems to empower is actually doing the opposite. Uh, and again, it seems like girl boss is a fine example of 
empowering rhetoric that truly disempowers people. And we need to be able to be alert and identify those uh, to be on the watch out of how language can be used against us. Well done, said Dave. Well said. So I think now it might be time for some bonus content. Now it's time for the bonus content. Will it be a fallacy, a historical anecdote, or rhetorical device? Let's have Dr. Tim spin the wheel. Looks like it's time for another historical tidbit. Here's a historical anecdote. Chapter 7 of The Prince is titled About New States Acquired with Other People's Arms and by Good Luck. There, Machiavelli writes about the importance of getting a henchman to do a prince's dirty work, which he describes as, quote, a point worthy of note and of imitation by others. He cites the example of Cesare Borgia, who hired Ramiro de Lorqua to pacify Romagna, a region which had been ruled by a weak prince, with the result that every kind of evil had been rampant throughout the province. Realizing that de Lorca's rigor had created hatred among the people, Borgia had Delorqua cut in two on the main square in Cesena, with a piece of wood and a bloody knife at his side. The brutality of this spectacle left the people both stunned and appeased. Yeah, it sounds like my first wedding. <laughs> I think my mother-in-law still listens. It was just, it was a lovely event. All right, uh, so Tim, who's sponsoring today's episode? The Varsity Blues college admission scandal included one person who paid $6.5 million to get their lackluster offspring into an elite institution. This was obviously not a wise investment given the number of years it would take for that student to recoup such expense, assuming he or she could actually graduate from an elite school. The Guaranteed Acceptance Corporation will help well-meaning parents get their child admitted to the school of their choice for a fraction of the cost spent in the Varsity Blues admission scandal. Children who insist they absolutely must attend University X should take a gap year in which they undergo incessant drill and practice in the key skills that colleges value but the students hadn't acquired in high school. When it's the parents who want a child to attend a certain university for the bragging rights, the solution is even easier. Simply adopt a teen who has the native intelligence and academic track record to actually be admitted to a highly selective university. In that case, the out-of-pocket costs are minimal, and the parents will actually be making a positive contribution to society at large. So if you're a parent who is desperate to have a child attend one of America's most selective institutions, give us a call at Guaranteed Acceptance Corporation for an economical approach to academic bragging rights. I'm David R. Dewberry, and that's Tim as seen on TV McGee. We're professors of communication at Ryder University, and this has been Rhetoric-O-Rama, a podcast about all things rhetoric. If you have any questions or are looking for more information, you can contact us via our website, rhetoric.fun, or consult your local library.